You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Half hour. Hello and welcome to Half Hour, an entertainment podcast through Two Worlds Entertainment. I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Here to bring you the casual conversations on the show's films, concerts, and music that we see, listen to, observe throughout our careers. Today's conversation is going to feature some spoilers on what we're talking about today, so make sure you check out the content before we discuss if you'd like. And if not, that's okay too, but we're just giving you a little warning. Here we are now on our 99th episode. It's <laughs> kind of crazy to say that, because yeah. we started this way at the pan- pandemic it was right around the pandemic time it was in the pandemic it was in the pandemic and we've put out 99 episodes next episode here will be our 100th and we have some fun things planned as we prepare for our 100th episode and post the 100th episode so we're really excited that to be able to say we're on 99 our little small podcast of just watching things on tv shows yeah. movies and recorded Broadway productions remember turned we were, into this. Remember, we were just kind of starting talk, watching like movie musicals on Netflix and like documentaries on artists and stuff. That's all we had to watch. And then now we're bounced back and we're seeing all these shows and all these concerts. It's been wonderful. I think like our first live thing was six that we got to yeah. talk about. And then we were like, wow, actually, this is really something going on here. Yeah. So. And with that, next week we will have our 100th episode. Yeah, so make sure you tune in. we got some fun episodes planned for post-100, too, as we dive into this new um, moment. So, All right, today we're starting with some pop music, and we're going over to Jordy, who released their first album. Jeff's going to tell you a little bit about it, what it's called, what it's all about. Take it away, Jeff. Yes. <clears throat> Today's Artist Spotlight featuring the buzzworthy artist Jordy and their album, Boy, was just released. And this is Jordy's sophomore album. So, Boy is described as a heartfelt collection of songs to his younger self when he sometimes felt invisible and alone. And these songs take us on a journey through high-impact pop anthems and some sensitive ballads on what it's now like navigating adulthood. So, after hearing that, and you listening to the album, which we both listened to this album on our own at different times, what did you, what was your experience with listening to this album? I was really impressed with this album. Mm-hmm. I was really blown away by it. I really think the strongest part of the whole album is lyric. I think it's really written well. I kind of like the sh- the short and sweet approach to it. Mm-hmm. It's 30 minutes in total, approximately. couple minutes each song. It's not taking us on an hour journey, it, but yet it takes us on a journey. And it's like, a, it's, I don't know, maybe because my mind just goes to musical theater all the time, but it is very musical theater storytelling-esque. Yeah. And without being cheesy or corny. 
it just told this really nice story. I loved the flashback audio clips of his youth. I'm assuming that comes from like home videos or something. Um, I like the message he's trying to say here. I don't find that the vocal is overproduced, that some songs tend to be lately with autotune and all that. I just yeah. feel like it's got a in good... In the pop world, definitely. In the pop world, yeah. And I really did enjoy it overall. Well, what's interesting, now that you brought that up, I wonder if he does have some sort of a theater background in any way, because uh, Broadway World did an article on him. Oh, okay, so, maybe. And they were talking about this album. So I'm curious now. Yeah. Oh, we would have to do some research on uh-huh. that. But I'm in agreement with you that, you know, what's interesting in pop sometimes that you do get an album that's only, you know, quick and to the point, 30 minutes, no filler. And I didn't really find that there was much filler on this album. No, no. And I loved the message behind this and the journey that this album did take us on. Uh, Jordy was actually interviewed and uh, said a quote about this album that I thought was really interesting. And I feel like we could kind of dive into a little bit, you and I, on our own experiences in this. But he said, when you listen to my album, I'd love it if you feel felt seen, heard, and understood. These are songs about heartbreak, social anxiety, familial relationships, going through dry spells, and feeling old. Nobody is perfect, but I hope you know you're not alone, says Jordy. Mm. So, you know, I feel like that's kind of him being similar to us in age. I feel like these are things that we kind of go through all the time. So I, while, while listening to this, I was like, wait, this feels like an album that was really made for us. It's not really made for someone old or for someone just like themselves. It's made for... You know, people definitely from the LGBT community, too. There's queer themes in here that we never really hear in pop music, which was great. You know, and I love seeing and highlighting different people from the community as well. Because a big topic here that I kind of want to talk about is, like, do you think that LGBTQIA plus members have a harder time in the pop industry getting noticed? That's an interesting question, because I almost feel like it's a two-part conversation. There's... LGBTQ pop artists, and then there's who are singing not about LGBTQ issues, and then there's LGBTQ artists singing about LGBTQ issues. So the way I look at it is like, you've always had like Elton John and George Michael, right? And others, I'm sure there's many others I'm forgetting, who were from way before our time even too, who were maybe not singing directly about LGBTQ issues. Maybe they were still singing about love or things associated with them, but the public in the pop world appreciated them. Well, I think for them it was a little different as rock stars, you know, even Freddie Mercury and Elton John and George Michael, all people that were part of rock bands that I wonder, you know, with them when they first started, they tried to come off not being so LGBT. Uh, Yeah. And eventually it came out. Uh, where this is a little different because this is about already being out. And then describing your experiences in your songs. Yes. And that's why I think, I mean, I don't think there's a challenge over any other pop artist. I right. just think that at the same time, it's also newer of the last few years to kind of put those messages out. And I think that's great. And I think that it's great that labels are supporting that. And other people are supporting that from a marketing standpoint, too. And right. they're not holding back who they are. Well, what I find interesting, too, on that, too, for labels it's like now do they sign artists just because they are part but then it's like what do they do with their careers after that yeah i mean i i think that someone like jordy is just doing what they want to do and how they're going to do it and i think that that representation needs to be seen more yeah and we are seeing it but we need to see more male and female 
of all races, genders, and I think it's great. And we should just keep putting it out. So Right, and I love that. And yeah. what's interesting, too, about this is, like, on TikTok, the song Story, which is an um, sample of story of a girl you know this then he does this is i noticed there's a, a lot of samples in this i think there was more yeah. than just that one um there was a viral moment with that song on tiktok with members from the trans community because they're showing their transition from male to female or male um female to male mm-hmm. and they're using it from like this to show what their process was like in with their transition yeah and he and jordy was quoted saying like he woke up and saw that like, oh he's having this whole viral moment and he's so happy that the community is using his sound for that mm-hmm. which was like super nice yeah um i also really liked the sound and vibe of this and i wondered a little bit because i was like this has a similar sound to someone and then i kept putting while listening i was like hmm this has like a Betty Who vibe to oh, it. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. And while listening, I was like the the lyric structure and the whole song structure and just like the vibe about even Betty Who's last album, Big, which is very similar about her whole process with being big and feeling out of place. And now Jordy's talking about like being gay and like feeling out of place yeah. and invisible at times. And I was like, these two would really gel together, mm-hmm. like if they did a song. Yeah, that would be actually really cool. Because I was like, oh. And then I'm, I was trying to find some more information on, like, uh, if they used the same team to produce the music or, or, or if they didn't. But I, I just thought, yeah, it was great. Um, I did have some standout songs. Did you? Yeah, I did. Have- well, yes. I want, I mean, the, um, I would, I really like Dry Spell. Yeah. I just really liked that song. And I had a good vibe to it. <laughs> I liked all of them, really. I liked the sister one or the, bro- oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the name of it. Becky's brother. Becky's brother. I liked that. I thought there was a nice personal touch there. Um, but Dry Spell definitely stood out for me. Yeah, I thought there were some <clears> fun <throat> songs here. He just released single Good Not Great, mm. which I really liked. Um, and some, I've already talked about some of his other singles before, but album songs that I really liked. I Get High, Backseat Driver. And then he ends with Love You Bye, yeah. which is like this euphoric <clears throat> dance track, which was not expected at all. Right. And could really have great potential commercially. Yeah. So... Yeah. Just my thoughts there. But. He's really great. I hope we see more of him and hear more from him. Yeah. Um, it's nice that like a news source like Broadway World was even kind of talking about him. And, yeah. you know, I just, I don't know. I got this vibe that some of these songs could be telling a story on stage live. I just kind of got that vibe. I really don't say that about a lot of pop singers or pop music. <laughs> and with that said, how many pop songs do we hear on Broadway now? You know, like <laughs> that were not originally intended for Broadway yeah. that are put into a story. So when I hear something that I think could potentially work, like we always say, like, what's our Borellis effect, right? What she's doing oh, and, yeah. and what some of these pop people are doing. Ellen John's always done it, writing musicals too, but when they write shows. Well, when it's, yeah, and it's storytelling pop music. So he definitely does capture yeah. a, a full story. Like you can visually see. And I, high production value too. And I just, like I said, going back to what I said earlier, there's this short and sweet theory to it. Like kind of getting, I'm just like. Give me 30 minutes of a, a story and some good music, and I like that approach. Love it. So I, sometimes these pop people are putting out, like, you know, 18 songs on an album, and, like, half of them I don't even remember, and they're just filler, and, you mm-hmm. know, nothing wrong with that either, but... Right. Well, I think everyone should check out this album. Jordy, boy, it's out now. Everyone can listen to it on the streaming platforms. He has a vinyl coming out, and it's great. Yeah, so check it. it. Check it out. Definitely. And let us know your thoughts on Jordy. <clears throat> yeah. 
And we're getting ready to transition now over to something very different. Yes, a Broadway, Broadway show we went to go see. And we were at one of the recent productions of Peter Pan Goes Wrong <laughs> on Broadway at the Ethel Barrymore Theater, um, which is a limited run, by the way. It's only playing till July. Um, and we saw Neil Patrick Harris as the narrator, and he's only staying for till April 30th. Hmm. So I'm assuming they're going to be putting some star celeb casting in as the narrator for May and June and maybe the first half of July. <clears throat> um, this is a mischief production, which is the group that did the play that goes wrong on Broadway, and it's actually currently still running off Broadway. Same original cast from that, here now doing Peter Pan Goes Wrong, which I think is a really cool fact. And this is um, directed by Adam Megiddo. Um, farce on Broadway working <laughs> I think I mean you walk into the theater and they're playing all this music and and they're setting up and they're, the actors are in the aisles with you getting ready to do the show mm-hmm. you know what was different for me I saw a play that goes wrong and I loved it and I didn't know what they were really doing I just knew they were putting on a play kind of like um, Noises Off you don't really know the play they're doing but it's funny Yeah. so you have Noises Off and that works why can't you have a second like that I think it was interesting to see a play that everyone knows to go and see. Well, we all know the pirates and the nursery and the flying and the the dog and the lion, uh, uh, the alligator and crocodile, rather, and all these things. You know that story, mm-hmm. whether it's the Disney version or the Broadway version or just the book, right? Right. So it's interesting to like see them tell this because you know what's coming next. So it's almost like as an observer, I'm sitting here, I'm saying, oh, how are they going to do the boat? How are they going to do the Tinkerbell? <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> Who needs the clapping? Who? How are they going to do the blank? You know, and so that was kind of cool. Versus when I went to play that goes wrong, I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm about to see. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I really, really liked this. I had a great time. I was laughing a ton. The audience was loving it. What were your overall thoughts just on this in general? I love this too. I think that you and I had such a fun time at this show. It's definitely a theater goer or theater performer piece. Um, that being said, I do think that anyone really could go and see this and have a great time because yeah, yeah. it's Peter Pan. Yeah. So if you don't know the Peter Pan story, then I mean, I don't know where have you been, yeah. but yeah. everyone kind of knows that story. And it's just, it's so funny to see kind of the mockery of it. So, and fun fact, I, as a director, I've directed a production of Peter Pan before with all the bells and whistles and the flying. And we pulled off a nice production. I'm going to say, I'm going to pat myself on the back there for a second. We did, the kids, did, it, was a, it was a youth production. The kids did a really nice job. It was um, with high school students. And what we had to spend a lot of time on was technical elements. The, fl- the flashing light of Tinkerbell, the flying alone, getting them in and out of the window, getting Peter to land on the bed and then land, oh, yeah. that's hard. And so I had a lot of understanding of this because I knew, oh, what's coming next, what's coming next. Yeah. So I think it's also funny that there's like the director in the play and then there's the director. It's a play within a play. So you see the cast putting it on and the struggles that they're going through. And if you've ever done a production of Peter Pan, you know exactly what, like the crocodile being on wheels, like that's a, how they do it. Like it's supposed to be like crawling on this like dolly of wheel doll, you know? And so it's just all those things. They kind of, I'm sure so many people have done the show or have seen a stage production so they can relate to it. And it's a it like funny. it's supposed to be like a regional theater or yeah or a community theater community that's theater putting it that's on that's putting it on and it, it it just has so many great moments from like a cast perspective where in community theater you can never get enough people to play all the roles yeah. so people are doubling up and they're running around and 
first, I'll just, before going into that, like, my standout performance in this show was by Nancy Zaman. Oh, yeah. Who plays Annie, who... Tinkerbell, that's the name, but it's Tinkerbell, and the mother, and, and the maid, uh, Liza, the maid. And she's right? going Liza. Liza. And we were, I mean, I want to mention, like, my favorite moments, okay. but she was amazing. I also thought Charlie Russell as Wendy was so great. So great. They were all great, truly. They really were. Those two women really stood out for me, and just, I thought they were remarkable. I also thought from a design perspective, this was really well lit. The scenery, the costumes, it was like just smart. And the stage management and the crew, it's so nice that the crew gets to bow at the end too. Yeah. Not the crew within the show, which they bow too, because they're actors. The actual crew came out and bowed. They yeah. got to be so busy back there. Because they're such an important part of this. Yeah. It, 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 what's <clears throat> also interesting, like let's talk about set here for a second, because that's such a hot topic this season. But a show that probably didn't need to have an over-the-top perfect set did have an over-the-top mm. perfect set. Uh-huh. And it's visually beautiful and stunning. Like, if I saw this set in a real Peter Pan production, I would say, wow, amazing. And then in this production, it just worked. It did. And, if, and they had curtains pulling it in, so it wasn't the full proscenium. They didn't. They realized that but you just, didn't just need pull to it be. in a little bit. Right, exactly. And focus the energy a little bit in. Um yeah, that was really nice. It was just, it, uh, I, one thing I will say, there was this little boy sitting in front of us with his parents. It, it, you would have thought maybe it was his first show he ever saw. I mean, you would think, right? Or it was clearly like the parents made him read Peter Pan or see it first. Mm-hmm. And he was the most joyous. He was so happy. And his parents like loved that he was happy. And he thought the thing was so funny. And to see it from a child's perspective... It's kind of smart to bring a child and say, like, listen, this is live, and not everything live goes perfect all the time. <laughs> and you can like almost learn something from seeing this. And that's how comedy ensues too. And we're poking fun at what live theater can be and, and the struggles of it, mm-hmm. right? I just have to say that though. That was really funny. I think it's so funny too that someone came up with this concept from the play that goes wrong. And then they say, can we do this again? And will it work as like the sequel to it? And everyone kind of seeing a lot of those bad Peter Pan productions that actually have gone wrong. I mean, we've all seen them. And if you haven't go, go YouTube them. you could watch clips for hours on on moments of Peter Pan that goes wrong. But someone said, Oh wait, no, this is funny. We should actually do this. So hopefully no one has like PTSD from being in a production yeah. of uh, Peter Pan and, then you and wonder, it going wrong. And could they do this again? And do they, you know, at this point, do they need to do a well-known story to keep that? Because if they do another play that goes wrong, then it's kind of just like play that goes wrong. Like, could their next thing be... They mentioned Oliver a few times. Oh, in our past production of Oliver, when we lost one of the boys because he fell on him or something, right? I was like, maybe they do something like that or... I don't know. I if don't they, really know. I don't know if they do it again. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Does I don't it know. get old? Yeah, I don't know. In that, I think that this is just like the follow-up funny moment. Yeah. Um, I will say, direction detail is wonderful, and unfortunately, I've seen some pieces that seemed very directed very lazily in yeah. this season, and so I'm seeing when that set is revolving and spinning out of control, and every vignette moment has them doing something, so by the time it makes a full rotation to the audience again, they're doing something different, that's hard to direct. It's hard to direct one of those, yet let alone when is it stopping? How many revolutions do I have to show something to the audience? There's a lot of direction going on here, and I think that I really give Adam Megiddo credit for really directing this well. 
I right. thought some of it was very well executed and directed. Right, which comes down to the technical element of this alone. You know, technically, the show is so technical to begin with, Peter Pan. <clears throat> and now to make it go wrong and have all of those technical moments, first off, we don't even know what's actually going wrong. Are there things going wrong on the stage actually? Well, guess what? It's just part of the yeah, show now. Right, right. Like, do they laugh about it after and right. say, oh my God, can you believe that actually uh, went yeah, wrong? Like, yeah. Oh, that thing fell from the ceiling and it wasn't actually supposed to. Oh, you would never know. Yeah. And what's scary about that, that was one of the moments I was when the light fell. Yes. I was almost like, what if accidentally an actor was st- like a stage manager would really have to double, triple check that no one's accidentally standing because a real literal light did really literally fall. Yeah. So like, you know, as much as it's like funny, we got to, and that's part of the joke. You would really have to make sure someone didn't like get hurt. You and know, kind of scary, kind of scary for I, that actor. Do they, do they have something in their ear where it's telling them like the Q, Q, you know, Q5, I just think it's a matter Q5. of she just has to make sure she's not standing there because that's when the door was open. And, and it's so close. And I think one of the funniest, really well done things was when the woman, um, I have her name here. Oh, Nancy was playing. She's playing the mother and Liza and they, she's playing both. And she does the quick change from the mother to the maid. I thought that was so funny. She was doing that change so fast. And then it was like, eventually they're going to show that she can't make the change in time. Right. And they open the door and she's like, oh, and he closes the door. I thought that was so funny. I was like, and then I just thought she was so funny. Also, when she was Tinkerbell, we all know when Tinkerbell loses her energy and they and they say, clap for Tink if you clap for little children, right? That's how, how yeah. it is in the normal Peter Pan. Clap and Tink will come back to life. But she was actually electrocuted. And when we were like laughing, there was moments where the actor was like, stop, it's not funny. She's hurt. And you almost makes you think for a second, like, is she hurt? Like, she's not. That's but what I'm saying. They're there like, shh, like, like, can you distract the audience? Like, she's, we need to maybe get a, a medical s- support here. And I'm like, that is what adds to the funny of it, the, the, the humor of it, I should a say. A little bit of uh, improv as well, because there's a lot of audience participation happening that I don't think normally would be happening at every show, because some of it is called for and warranted from the audience, yeah. and then it kind of has the audience going after that, like hating Captain Hook and then them continuing which got a little old for me after a while I was like alright we get it yeah. like, let's boo him but like do we need to boo him every single time which then started getting other audience members a little rowdy at times and that I don't think the um, cast is really expecting every yeah. single time and are they improving on that you know throwing out lines right. and just saying like hey stop it like it's it's just something, you know, when you look at theater as a whole right now, you're looking at Chucked and you're looking at this and you're looking at these laugh out loud comedies that don't make you overthink and you can just sit there and have fun and enjoy. That's what I think Broadway is needed right now. Some really silly, fun comedy. Yeah. And this is only playing till July. It kind of came in the blip of the Tony season. Hopefully it pick up, picks up some nominations. I mean, I think it would. It's quite a piece yeah. uh, that they're working really hard at. And I really, really enjoyed it. Um but overall, I really think people should check this out. And one question I had for you before we kind of move off this topic is, do we see more of this farce humor? We see comedies on stage that are scripted comedies, a musical theater comedy, of course. Do we see the, like, things are going wrong, mishap, I always say, like, door slamming shows. It's always about the doors closing and the in and out. and That, that was a big thing in, in Broadway history 40, 50 plus years ago was... Silly, fun comedy. Neil Simon comedy. Do we see well, more of that? That now? was always kind of something in TV, too. Sure. Like, I Love Sitcom. Lucy and 
uh, the Three Stooges, opening and closing doors. Is like part of comedy. Transition and reaction from you. Slamming of door. Boom. I don't know why <laughs> slamming of a door is so funny, but also so harsh at times. Because yeah. in a drama, when you slam a door, it's not funny. Yeah. But in a comedy, yeah, it works. It means a lot. And even like speaking of door, the the man who played the dog Nana stuck in the door, and they had to come and cut the dog out. Oh like that's so God. something so funny about so that. Funny. The the and affair that they're having in the middle, like the subplot of like Wendy and Peter, and and then the this guy who's playing Michael, his uncle invested in the show. Like all that subplot really was funny too. With the, just the unaware stage crew as well, like they're yeah. just all over the place, yeah. and they don't care. Yeah, which is so funny because how often does a stage crew not care about some things especially in the community community or some of them or there's one who really cares and there's one that's like not doing their job when neil patrick harris's chair had to come on and off and like it just never came on and off right he was you know i will say i think he joined in pretty late in the process and he kind of jumped in and was really there doing it at all he wasn't just like the narrator in the corner the whole time he was up there with them having a great time too because like does he get nominated? In this? I don't know. I don't know. And is there any and is he up for they... nomination in this? Because I don't. Yeah, he's, he's in it for such a short period of time. Yeah, but... I don't know. I don't remember the exact rules of like how long you have to be in it and all that. But I... yeah, I hope we see more of things like this. Is what I'm trying to say because I well, think comedy's that comedy's great on Broadway. I love comedy on Broadway. Yeah, yeah, I really do. I think it works really well. And sometimes we don't see enough of comedy. Yeah. It's always how serious can be a show be, you know. Even with something like Skin of Our Teeth, there were so many funny moments in it, but also so much seriousness to it that it worked so well. And it was probably one of our favorite things that we saw last season. So something like this, I think, is very high up for us because we like to go and have an enjoyable time at the theater. Right. You know, so it's just great. Does it make you sit and, like, evaluate your life after you leave? No. No. That's not the point of this one, right? Exactly. You know, it's just, maybe it, it, someone evaluates their career choices of working, you know, in theater after yeah. and saying, oh, everything goes wrong yeah, all know. the time. Yeah. But, but it's yeah. all supposed to be lighthearted fun. No one's being mean, I don't think, and trying to make fun. Everybody's trying to put on a show and things yeah. go wrong. Even the playbill's printed wrong purposely. And there's ads, they put, like, fake ads. I don't know if you noticed this in the playbill. One of the fake ads was, we opened in two days and we don't have a fly operator yet. So if you're interested in operating the flies, and then look, you go, and then they're having problems with this stuff. The show is just so smart overall, and on our recommendation list, high up on there. Totally. High up. If you can go and see it, check it out, laugh at it, have a good time. Yeah. Definitely have a drink before you go, because you'll (laughs) laugh even harder. Oh my gosh. Uh, And there's an intermission, so you can go to the bathroom. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Um, all right, so now we get to move on in these last few minutes here to the pop music drop. Yeah, pop music drop. Mm-hmm. And um, what I think, and what you, and you already released these on TikTok, so go check it out. They're on TikTok, pop and I'm drop. doing things a little bit different in the future, too, after 100th episode as well. But, you know, I'm doing some play on things, like, one of the things that I loved growing up it was MTV and TRL. So I'm kind of doing my own Jeff's version of TRL. Love We're going to call it PMD. Okay. The PMD countdown, pop music pop drop music countdown. Love it. Love where it. I pick my top songs of the week, um, starting with number six, which was Muna, the one that got away. I thought this was nice. And it had this really cool 80s vibe to it. So super bop. Super Loved bop. it. And I loved it. Great. Yes. And then we have newcomer Florio. Uh, with the one, um, I put bop flop cusp. Okay. Um, there was a little bit too much vocal enhancement on it. It was so enhanced in auto tune that I almost couldn't really get what the point of it was. I just 
I don't know. Maybe I have to listen to it more. I'm not obsessed. All right. Well, That's- I love it for its synth popness, yes. which is my favorite. Right. Then in fourth, we have Astrid S with Darkest Hour. This is bop. I'm not like saying solid bop. It's cusp for me again. I'm sorry. It's bop potential. I got to listen to it a little bit more. It was fine. It was just fine. Yes. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not continuing to talk on some of these because <laughs> they're all bops to me. Oh, they are, of course. They're That's just why you chose them. Bops to yeah. me. I will talk about the next three artists a little bit as well because I I love them and I think they're all about to have big moments. So starting at number three though is Madison Rose with Idolize featuring I, her demons. I put Bop. I love this. I really yes. love her and I love this and I think this is great for her. I do have to say something here. Madison Rose, I will say it all the time, one to watch. She has such an image and a brand going for her that I feel like she's so underrated in the industry right now. Yeah. Like, this is a bop. Everyone needs to hear it. And yeah, go check out Madison Rose. Definitely. Love it. Next is Kim Petras featuring Nicki Minaj and the singles alone. (laughs) Nope. It's flop for me. It's not doing it. It was not. It was way too much hype. Everyone listened to it and was like, this is all we got. And I'm going to say something. I like Kim Petras. I love what she's doing, but I don't love every song. And I find some of the songwriting to be a little lazy. And the, and you, especially with the lyrics, repeating the same sentence over and over and over again. I'm like, mm, Nicki Minaj's verse is okay. Um, but no, this is not doing it for me. My <clears throat> thoughts on this. The song's a bop. Okay. Okay. <laughs> if she didn't do this whole hype building for the song, I think everyone would have a different feeling on this because this gave everyone the moment to say, wow, the alone part of this, which samples Better Off Alone, is really catchy, but everyone thought we were going to get this big Europop dance anthem for the summer. And we got stripped down to a trap beat, which was like, okay, it's very predictable of Kim to have this. The song's a bop. Is it a little lazy at times? Yes, I'm in agreement. Yeah, I just think she has better stuff, and I don't. I can't see this being like something extremely memorable. I think we're going to forget. Right, it. but I'm curious to see what happens because I think it's going to do really well. It has the Nicki Minaj feature, yeah, and it's, it has this for Kim. And I hope what this does do is it gets more people knowing who Kim is. Yeah, and of it course. finally gets Kim the album release that she deserves, and that I agree with because it's been EP after EP, and she has not had that yeah, album yeah, moment. Yeah. To really put out her artistry there. Right. There's a ton of remixes out, though, right now on this that sound way better. So everyone should go check them out. And I'm sure they're going to release remixes of this. And it's going to have a big summer moment. Love it. Last but not least, who took me by surprise this week was BB Rexa and Snoop Dogg with Satellite. Bop. Love it. And I wrote ABBA. ABBA. I got such an ABBA vibe from it. It was like... Did ABBA work with them on this? Like, I, I would have really thought ABBA produced this with them. It was so ABBA. I was like, I'm going to listen to this all the time because, you know, I love my ABBA. I don't know who worked on this. I would have to look at it. But BB's album is coming out, which just made me so Yeah, maybe more. this is going to have like a disco-y she kind of 70s this, vibe. Well, first off, she has this image of her with this Farrah Fawcett hair. It's yeah. out there. Love and it. it's looking like BB's ready to have her moment in the pop industry. Yeah. And let's have it. Satellite, yes. First thing I said when I heard that, I was like, "Yeah, satellite." Uh, what is it? Uh, yeah, something kind of yeah. Give uh, gimme, gimme, gimme. Right. Anyway, mostly bops this week, huh? Mostly a couple flops, but it's okay. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, oh we're just about out of time, so we got to wrap half it up hour. here. Half hour. <laughs> Thank you all for listening today. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, or Apple Music. Leave us a review if you love what you heard today. Join our conversation. Engage with us. Head over to Instagram and TikTok at Half Hour Podcast. Comment on the latest post about this episode. We love to hear from you. One hundred's coming next. One hundred. So make sure you're listening up for that one. We'll let you know all about that when it comes. But thank you for listening today. And we're getting ready to sign off. So signing off for now, I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Saying ta-ta. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E. Because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.